It's May 29th, 2020, and you're listening to the Architecture Geeks podcast. I'm Larry. And I'm Matthew. And we're your friendly neighborhood architects being geeky as we want to be. Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I, I'm going to start off by apologizing because I have been out at, I was out at a job site this morning out at 7.30, uh, way too early, and standing across from a field with the wind blowing. So I have been a little sniff, a little sniffly and sneezy since then. Um, I'm going to try not to, but if I do sniff or sneeze, I will apologize now. And hopefully Matthew can cover for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah, just that magic time of year. But anyway, well, so so last time, so last time on the podcast, we we talked about well what we thought was some very, I won't say depressing, but very heavy doom and gloom, <laughs> doom, a little bit a little bit of doom and gloom. So like we promised this time, we're going to do something a little lighter and frothier. But but before we start that, because so so the last podcast we talked about you know economic downturn and architects losing their jobs and architects leaving the profession. And after my niece listened to the podcast, she texted me because she has three different people that she knows who aren't technically in architecture anymore. She said there's there's one of her friends from school who is now a butcher at Whole Foods. And I was like, well, that's a big, big leap from architecture. I, I, I guess it translates somewhere. Uh, maybe. I've, uh, interesting places we find architects now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Well, and, and but the, that was the odd one. The other two, one, one is now a high-end furniture salesperson, which isn't out of the question, and the other one works at the help desk for Autodesk. So it's at least those two are at least in some ways design and architecture related. As a lo logical extensions for sure. Log logical extension, yeah. But the butcher thing just sort of threw me off. But but before we got started, I wanted to share that just because I, I thought that was. That was a little odd, and and you never know where. Yes, to to the the guy cutting your meat at Whole Foods was once an architect, but you know, hopefully he's happier and, and enjoying his meat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like we said, we promised something a little a little frothier and a little more interest not interesting. Let's just say a little lighter, and we thought we would talk about today that that. Everyone has a perception of what architects do. And, okay, this is, you know, we design buildings, blah, blah, blah. But I think there are always parts of our job that we do that people don't know that that's what we do. You would never guess that in somewhere within our career, we are doing all these things. And some of them are going to be a little odd, um, some will be a little surprising. Some make sense, but yes, these are all things that we do that you may not know if you're a homeowner. Sometimes, if you're a contractor, you may not know that we do. So, Matthew came. You came with this idea, and I don't know what what was the prompting. Because when you brought it to me, you said, "Oh, hey, I want to talk about this." But I, what was the prompting for this? <laughs> uh, short answer: light switches. Uh, long answer. Um... At my house, uh, there's only one light switch that controls our backyard lights, and it's in the far corner of the garage. And and 
we use these, logically placed. Yes, yes, very logically placed. And and we use these backyard lights on a regular basis because we have a dogs and dog and a doggy door and we like what's going on back there while they're running around at night. Partly because one of our dogs has a high prey drive and we live near a creek so we get possums and skunks and all kinds of other little critters. <laughs> so we just like to keep an eye on it back there. So I'm going into the garage a lot to turn this backyard light on and off. First world problems, I know, but it got me thinking about, <laughs> it really got me thinking about, well, one, this is a really bad place for this switch. <laughs> if there's only going to be one. And two, I started thinking about, you know, where would I have put this in the house if I had laid out, laid out the, the light switch locations? And, and and after talking with Faye, I realized that many people might not know that architects place light switches in a floor plan as part of the design process. All the time. <laughs> and and ideally, this is done, you know, talking with the clients and after a floor plan has been finalized. Um, but when it's something as ordinary as a light switch being misplaced, it becomes very obvious very quickly as you're using the space. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, completely. And, and, you know, and, and we get to the point where we're not only talking about where the switches are going in plan, we talk about height because some people like to walk in and just sort of reach down at, at waist level and flip a light on. And some people need to have them higher up. So somewhere within all of our, our regular job of just trying to put a light switch here, light switch there, we also have to think about well, where is it going to be mounted so that these people can actually use it. Yeah, I, I know I, I know. I would definitely prefer them being up higher because my one-and-a-half-year-olds will just sit there out on the light switch and just go boop, 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 and just on and off for 30 minutes. It, it has happened. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And and so, you know, I thought, well, you know, maybe there are other things, you know, that architects do that people might not be aware of. And after chatting with other architect friends and talking with you and talking with Faye, uh, my non-architect wife, I I thought it might be a a fun to highlight, you know, the, the things that people might not know that we do. Well, no, no, I think that'd be, I think that's, and I do, I think that's great because like I said, I think people always just, there's assumptions about what we do as architects and it's always nice to be able to, to sit, well, and because people will ask, clients will ask, oh, do you do that? Oh, do you do that? And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, we do that. Okay, great. I was just like, I, I feel like I, I don't know why they're surprised, but we don't ever talk about some of these things. So I think, I think it's, it's pretty good. So what we have, what, what Matthew has come up with here is a sort of, I won't say the top 10, maybe top 10 or just uh, 10 really good examples. I, I, I was, I would say it's, it's the, it's the 10, I'd say 10 highlights, the highlight reel ranked in order of, you know, maybe this is something, a logical extension, or maybe this is, you could you could see an architect doing this to to the more odd as we go. <laughs> the, the more obscure the obscure talents that we have obtained over time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. 
Well, then I'm going to let you kick this off. So let's talk about number 10. Yeah. So number 10, I put for consultant coordination. So when you're hiring an architect, uh, that often comes with not only an architect, but like a, a team of people that contribute to the design of a building. We hire uh, a broad variety of consultants with your mechanical, electrical, and plumbing engineers. They handle the AC uh, and the ventilation and all, and obviously electrical and plumbing. Um, we hired structural engineers, landscape architects, civil engineers. You know, sometimes you can you can go as far as waterproofing consultants, sound consultants if you if you're doing like a theater space. Uh, there's code consultants and and uh, city expediters, which they'll help you walk your project through the city if you just really don't want to or don't have time or for whatever other reason. And and people, what people may not know is that you know, in the process of hiring all these consultants, it's the architect's job to pull all of these bits of information from your, from your, from the electrical and the plumbing and then the structural. And, and we have to pull all of this together and create one cohesive building that doesn't have any that, that 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 can be built like you're not having pipes that run directly into the structure and and having causing an issue there or uh you know making sure that you can put a water retention pond on your property at at a particular location if the city lets you <laughs> or or any other types of conflicts that may arise from all these different aspects it's the architect's job to find all of the to bring all that information together and and work with all of the consultants and chase down everybody and, and fix and, and find the problems that, that will happen in, in, in a particular design and, and iron them out both while the building is ideally while the building is being designed, but also. Well, even, even during the construction process sometimes, I mean, yes. because, because, because once construction starts, you're still having job meetings and nine times out of 10, it's, it's not you and the contractor and the client. It's you and the contractor, the client, and all the consultants. So you're still, even even in the construction process, sometimes you're still doing all that coordination and getting everybody pulled together. And on the same page. Yeah, and on the same page. But yeah, and it's it's like you said, there, there are so many different consultants that are potentially out there. I think the one that, that a lot of people don't think about is a waterproofing consultant because well, that's one of the, you know, we always talk about the most damaging thing to a building is going to be water. And there are instances where you have to have these people and you have to have an architect who can bring all those people together and make sure that the the mechanical, electrical, and the structural engineers and the plumbing engineers are all working together with the waterproofing consultant who's working in, co in context with the landscape architects. It all really pulls together. So we are we are the traffic cop, basically. We we act as a traffic cop during during the design process. One of the less glorious aspects of it. <laughs> One of the less, less glorious aspects of the job, and and can sometimes be a little bit challenging. It's just part of what we do. And the other the other thing. So so next. So number nine for this is, and we'll, we'll apologize. We're going to do some really boring things up front. So just just bear with us. But one of the big things that we get involved with, especially if you're doing commercial work is Americans with Disabilities Act. We have to accommodate um, we have to accommodate 
anyone in a wheelchair, anyone with a disability, all these things that we have to look at to make sure that the building is accessible to everyone. And the challenge being, of course, that if it isn't, you have the potential as the architect to be sued. And there are architects out there who've lost their licenses over this. So it becomes a very, very important thing. And especially for us in Texas, we have our own accessibility standards. They're based on the, the federal guidelines, which is the ADA. But ours is a Texas accessibility standards. And for us, this goes back to the consultant coordination. We will sometimes hire an accessibility consultant. So as we are doing our projects, we are having to coordinate what we're drawing with input from the accessibility specialist to make sure the bathrooms are correct, the floors are correct, the, the transitions between spaces work, all the doors are the right size. There's all these little things that we are doing behind the scenes that people may not realize that that's something that we're actually having to do. Yay, we can help you avoid lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's it's true. It's, it sounds kind of silly, but it, it's very true. And And, you know, I think... I think part of that, of course, is just we have to understand a lot. We have to really understand what goes into the building. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that rolls right into number eight, understanding the environment in which you were building. When when you first start a building, you think, okay, well, a, a person is generally this high. So there's a there's a set of standards that you can just kind of go off of based off of you know just a general human body uh, but the building also needs to be responsive to you know, the local climate uh, you don't want to be building you know you don't want to be building a, a super compact uh, centralized type of building in texas where it's going to get super hot and uh, that 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 building type is more geared towards the, the the north and the northeast where you want that centralized heating and 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 that to radiate out to the spaces around you um you, you have the you, you we want to be responsive to the physical environment you know trees floodplains uh, other buildings around you uh, and then also code restrictions you know you've got <clears throat> the the city is going to only let you build certain things in certain places and you have to be aware of that and and so architects are trained to have you know an environmental awareness that can help you take full advantage of your site within said limits yeah yeah i suppose i like the code restrictions and floodplains together because yeah I, i've i have run into that more than once where we had we had one pier that was actually technically in the floodplain. And, oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it nixed the entire project. Wow. Yeah, yeah. The city, the city would not budge on us having this one pier that just happens to be in technically the floodplain in that creek bed. So, yeah, we ended up having to nix the project. You know, and the other thing you might not know, and this is number seven, is that we're not limited. We talk a lot about buildings, but we're not limited to just buildings. And we talk about this, well, even in the last, I think the last podcast too, we talk about this, that architects can do other things. And a lot of times it's not, you know, we aren't limited necessarily to designing a building. We're talking about doing the interiors of the buildings, designing millwork, making uh, finish selections, uh, 
all that, all that type of stuff. You know, architects can get into interior design and landscape design. There's even furniture design as an aspect of this. So we're not limited to just designing buildings. We have these other skills, but at the same time, we don't just design it. We tell people how to build our designs. And that brings us to number six, which is exactly, we tell people how to build our designs. And Matthew, I'm going to let you, you sort of explain that because well, yeah. this is your list. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, people, people look at, you know, these clean floor plans and, and they recognize them as drawings an architect did, but what often doesn't get published in, in your, in the, the, the magazines and put on the news are, are all the, the details that went to, into it. The, there's sections, there, there's an entire construction document package. I mean, we put together entire books detailing how a design is supposed to be built. And, and people are, are surprised at how much architects know how things are built. Like, they just kind of look at you like, wow, you actually, you, you know that, you know that? Like, well, I, I'm not a construction consultant, but we do, do generally have to, to know these things to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. When we're designing something, it helps us to know these things. <laughs> generally speaking. Yeah. Yeah. G- generally speaking. Well, and, and we used to do, so when we used to do a lot of, um, a lot of high rise apartments, we would have, because what you're talking about, the specifications, is really what you're talking about. We're doing these spec books that will outline not only just materials, but how those things are supposed to be put together. It's, you know, this many screws per foot or this many nails per foot. And this is the nail pattern and, and things like that. We used to even do those for people's apartments. So we would be doing a um, 5,000 square foot apartment finish out that we would have a manual that would be three quarters of an inch thick or more, depending on, depending on, you know, particular project, but we would hand those off to the contractor. I think it sometimes it may, maybe frighten them a little bit, but we had to write that so that we knew and made sure that, that we could tell the contractor, this is what has to happen with this stuff. And yeah, I, I don't think, you know, yes, you're right. Everyone looks at drawings and says, you know, oh, that's pretty. And, and you'll never see it in the magazine. You'll never see it published as part of some award package. You'll see all the pretty stuff. But behind it is all of these things. Like you said, you know, we're not necessarily construction consultants, but these are the things that we know and what we need to know and that we need to share with the contractor. And oh, by the way, one more one more consultant that we have to add to the list sometimes in order to get a building done. <laughs> well, this is this is true. This is true. Um, so number five, and this some sort of sort of goes with that part of being the traffic cop, because we also have to manage and coordinate the unrealistic expectations that sometimes come with what is an equally unrealistic budget. And then try to get all of that pulled together at the same time, not get fired (laughs) and not get sued when all those things don't come together because every client has, you know, it's, it's, I don't say beer goggles. What is it? It's the, um, a Pinterest board. (laughs) Well, no, no, no. It's that we, we've got a champagne taste and a beer budget. Oh yeah. Eyes are bigger than your, yeah. Yeah. Your eyes are bigger than your budget. (laughs) Oh Yeah. Yeah, and somewhere we had to pull all that stuff together and 
get them to come to some understanding that, okay, this is what's really possible. And if you want to do all these things, this is what your budget really has to be. So we are sort of at the same time, sort of it's that management and that coordination, going to pull it all together and play the traffic cop and, and make sure that everything gets taken care of because yes, clients will fire you sometimes because they're upset that, that they can't do their project or they can't do the project the way they want to. And honestly, I don't know that I've heard of anyone getting sued over it. I, and I'm sure there are because I'm sure there are clients out there who are just furious. But um, luckily, I've not had that experience yet. And I don't want that experience yet. And I'm sure my insurance company <laughs> doesn't want that experience yet of getting sued, which actually brings us to number four. Uh, this is something that that I think you you you. I'm guessing you must do a lot. <laughs> and yes, and number four is lie awake at night, imagining all the scenarios that people can hurt themselves in our design. And 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 you know we're responsible, and 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 then get sued over it. <laughs> and. and, and we're responsible for the the health, safety, and welfare of the general public when they're in a building we designed, and you know we can get sued when we don't do our jobs right. And 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 the instance that sticks in my mind the most then <laughs> is uh, an architect uh, named uh, Santiago Calatrava, and Calatrava is this world-famous architect. He's done buildings all around the world. He has an entire city in Spain that was essentially his giant playground. It's Valencia, Spain, and, and, and it's everything there it has been done by him, it feels like. But one of the, the things that really stuck in my mind was that Caltrava did this really pretty bridge at one point that was, it was going over, uh, uh, it was a pedestrian bridge going over a walkway and, and he, he, it's this beautiful white sculptural bridge. It's got glass on the, on the bottom, but what made, what was an issue with it was the entire, the entire walkway surface was this really smooth glass. And it's in this Northern climate that, experiences a lot of freezing and so this bridge would get ice and 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 people would be walking over it and because it's this super slick glass surface you know people would either be sliding off or 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 just or just hurting themselves (laughs) and so the and and so the i think there were quite a few lawsuits generated (laughs) from this and and the city literally had to come back and, and just and pave over it. They they literally paved over it. It looked like some asphalt or it was it was a felt type material. So it was some something really grippy. That they they just came back and they just we can't keep up with this level of you know public endangerment. <laughs> we have to do something about it. And so they 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 uh, you know that's just one example of you know you got to pay attention to to how the the public is going to use this. <laughs> space <laughs> and 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 you know and you have to imagine all the scenarios in which you know people can or might 
hurt themselves on it and 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 do your best through material selection or, or whatever else that may be to prevent that <laughs> and also so that you have a, a functional bridge and not one that people are using as a slide instead <laughs> yeah yeah you, you want them to actually be able to get across it this shouldn't be like the obstacle weird obstacle course just trying to get from one point to the other yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know and, and i've i've had a few few moments where i've i've and I, I can't, one project and I just, there was something going on and I thought, oh my God, did I get that put in there? And oh, and just suddenly panicking that I'd forgotten something and thought, oh my God, I'm going to get so much trouble for it. So yeah, you, you, whether you intend to or not at some point, you know, on a project, you'll, you'll lay there and think the worst, <laughs> the worst things possible. Not something like them having to repave a bridge, but Sometimes you'd like to dilute that detail out. And if I did, oh, crap. Oh, my gosh. And, of course, nine times out of ten, you get up the next morning and you check and it's fine. But, yeah, we we sometimes just lie awake at night and we can't help ourselves. <laughs> so on to number three. Number three, traveling for work. A lot of people might not know that you know there there's a lot of travel involved uh with 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 architecture and and it's not it's not always just you know for pleasure to sightseeing like i i have a friend who goes to hawaii on a regular basis and people are like oh wow that's cool you go to hawaii you know what do you do oh i'm an architect oh okay <laughs> and then but the, but what they don't realize is he's going there he 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 hops on a flight. It's probably a six or seven hour flight there, and then he he goes he goes straight to a hotel, crashes, and then the next day he goes and visits the sites where where he's working, and then literally just hops on the next flight back, and and that's it. There's no time for any of the 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 glitz or glamour that may come with the the surroundings. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, Holly, uh, my old business partner, Holly, we had a project in Aspen, and everyone's like, oh, you get to go to Aspen. How cool is that? Well, first of all, she's not a big fan of flying, and the plane from Denver into Aspen was not very large and a little bumpy going in, but she would land, go to the client's condo, actually the, go, to, go to another condo in the client's building to, to spend the night there, get up the next morning, work have dinner, go back to her, you know, go back to her, her space, do a little more work, go to bed, get up the next morning, repeat, get up the next morning, go out to the airport and get on a plane and fly home. And that was the extent of her trip. The only time she ever stayed there longer, this is terrible. Um, she got food poisoning and spent three extra days there laying on the, on a, not our client, but, some friends of theirs laying on their guest bathroom floor, throwing up um, for three days. That was her, her work trip. And then she got to come home. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we, we do travel for work and, and no, it's not always, always that sort of glitz and glamor. Um, but every once in a while you can kind of squeeze something in, but not, not very likely, especially if the client's paying for it. Yeah. And speaking of not something as not not so glamorous, but maybe still part of the job. <laughs> Number two, marriage counseling. 
Yeah, and and I think I think you know number number two, the the marriage counseling thing is it's not just marriage counseling. There's a lot of therapy that goes on in general. Um, it's a thing they don't teach you in school. I think they're really honestly, we should all have to take some psycho- psychology courses when we're in school because we end up doing a lot of hand holding. We do a lot of I I I I think the phrase I've used is talking people off the ledge. <laughs> <laughs> I I have taken several clients out for margaritas before in the course of their project just to say, okay, let's 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 go have some dinner, let's have a drink, and then let's talk about what's really going on. And and I of course you can, you're not billing them for this time because you you want them to understand and, and be calm and be comfortable. But yeah, but but again, it, in, included in that therapy though is is marriage counseling because especially if if you're doing residential maybe only if you're doing residential, I don't know, because you do have that dynamic. You have the husband and wife team. And in fact, I had a client today, I'm at the very start of their project. And I said, I need you guys to put together your program. I need to know what are the spaces you want? What do you want to have happen in those spaces? What's important and what's just something you'd like to have, you know, what's the the need and versus the want. I was talking to one of them today. He said, you're determined to get us divorced before we ever get this list done. <laughs> I, I'm assuming just the sheer amount of compromise. I mean, it, something like that can really boil down what's important in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Do, do I just keep my lips shut so that, so that we can get through this alive and together? Or do I, I try to really, really put some effort in and get my nose in? Yeah, it's it is a lot of a lot of hand holding and a lot of you know let's let's make this work and make sure you guys come out of this together. And and I have heard of clients getting done and then getting divorced, but most of the times you can kind of work people through that. So yeah, we get to be therapists, just one of our many 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 hats. And I don't mind doing it, but every once in a while, it I think it stresses me more than it stresses the client. <laughs> well, and 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 you've gone through this a little bit. I mean, just just between you and Faye. Well, and between me and James, working on our project, you get very in, involved and you get very intense about it. And it's not hard to have an argument about something. Oh yeah, no, Faye and I back before we had kids, you know, we had a we had a little bit more free time on our hands, and and, and during one stretch of free time, you know, I, I was like, well, you know, what would happen if if we were to scrape our current house just completely off the lot or if something ha- drastic happened to it, what would we put in its place? And, you know, and I'd sit there, I, I played around with it and sketch up for a little bit. And, you know, I'd print something out and, and hand it to her and we and we talk about, it, you know, just for fun. Because yeah, that's that's what that's the kind of thing we do for fun. But yeah, that, that, that's what the average person does for fun. You you are insane. Yes, and and so I, I thought it would be a fun exercise, and and at first it was, but then you know you you really start like some things that the I some ideas that I had were not rubbing Faye the the right way like like one one thing that i i've always tried to take advantage of is the the city code is is almost written to encourage detached garages because you can actually use more space 
more more of your property if you do a detached garage than if you attach it. And so I, I wanted to take advantage of that, not only because you use more of your property and, it, and it's more bang for your buck, but also because, you know, by detaching the garage, you're, you're not, you're, 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 you're not putting a space that's 120 degrees during the summer in Texas right next to, you know, your living room, dining room, kitchen that, that you want to keep at 75 degrees. So, so there's multiple reasons behind my, me wanting to detach that. And it doesn't have to be this huge detached thing. It can just be a short little walkway between the two, but Faye was completely against it. And, and I have, and I, and I have laid out all these reasons why it would be good, both monetarily and, and architecturally and energy wise. Like I have, I have this entire list and I'm just sitting here like, well, this is good for it. But you know, then there's also plenty against it as well, as I'm sure many people are aware of, <laughs> but it, but it, it was one of those arguments that we just, we just both got really dug in on and, and, and then we had to pause for a second and be like, okay, let's just calm down. This was meant to be a fun exercise that we were hypothetically doing and it has turned into this knockdown drag out. I see where you're coming from. And, and we really just had to, it was a moment for us to focus on, us and not necessarily this hypothetical project that will probably never happen anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but, but at some point you're going to do something like this and, and hopefully your experience working with other, other clients, you can bring some of that in and know that, okay, we have to figure out how do we compromise and, and do a little bit of therapy and get things worked out. But um, yeah, it's, it's one of those tasks that, that, no one ever tells you you'll be doing, but you have to sort of learn on the job. And hopefully you are empathetic enough <laughs> that you can actually work people through it. So finally, guys, we are down to number one. This is the last thing. And it's a skill we have, but, but there's a little more to it. It's, it's historic preservation, but it's also something that, that we think of as preserving memories. And this became number one because one of Matthew's friends had a very, very specific example. Yeah, uh, she mentioned an instance where she had to specify a single stair tread that was to be saved from demolition and returned to the owner because her old cat once stepped in paint and left a paw print on it. And so she had to spend the entire design process making sure no one removed no one removed the note on the demo plan and, 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 and just explaining the reason to anyone who touched the project showing and, and, and showing the general contractor the exact tread that was to be saved during the walkthrough <laughs> so that, so that, you know, so that she could get that specific instance back. And, and I guess it could be the same as like, you know, if, if you're remodeling your house and, um, and, and you have this door frame that, you know, you've measured the kids. Oh, this, this is, this is the yardstick we use to measure the kids growth. And it's a door frame that has, you know, special meaning to you. You know, you, nostalgia is, is a, is a very powerful force. And, and, and a lot of people want to remember those types of things rather than just, you know, remodel it and, and pave over it. 
Right. And and we've actually done that on a job before. We we had a client who we had to make sure the start of the project, the contractor went over there and took uh, foam, took styrofoam or like a heavy, heavy foam and wrapped the door jam with it and then taped it in place because the client was absolutely adamant that that door jam did not get damaged, did not get painted over, that nothing happened to it. I mean, they, and they were serious about it because you're right. It's, it's a very, that nostalgia is a very strong force, especially if that's the house that you've had since you were maybe in your twenties and you've had your first kid and all your kids have been through it. And then maybe your grandkids have been through it. So yeah, it's it's that's a very very real thing, and it's not uncommon, I think, for us to to have to address that on any project. But I love that that it was her cat's paw print. Yeah, no, I I yeah I can definitely re- relate just being a, a an animal person myself. <laughs> yeah, well, so so did did they just keep the tread, or did they have to integrate the tread back into the the newest construction? Uh, she wasn't entirely clear on that, but all, all I, all I heard was she had the, that tread had to be saved <laughs> regardless of what else got removed that tread. Yeah. It's like whoever, whoever messes this up is going to have a very, very uncomfortable day. Oh yeah. <laughs> or, or, or we're going to find another cat and we're going to fake it. One of the two. Oof. Oof. Yeah. We're going to get the neighbor's cat, Paul, paint. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that that would go over well. But anyway, so so we guys, we hope this has been a little lighter and a little little frothier than the last time. And hopefully going forward, we'll, we'll continue to be a little more upbeat. But it's been, this has been fun. And I think this is, you actually put this out to your friends on Facebook, didn't you? Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, yes, I, I would like to put a huge thank you uh, out to all of the architects and 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 architects to be uh, who contributed to this <laughs> list. Yeah. Well, and and for any of the architects or designers out there listening, if if you want to share any of that, you know, share, share your experience. So, you know, what are you doing that people don't know you do? You can always message Matt. You're at on Twitter at ArchGeekMatt with underscore in between, right? Yes. Okay. Well, and, and you can find Spotted Dog Architecture on Facebook at Spotted Dog Arch on Instagram and Twitter, or you can just email me. That's Larry at SpottedDogArchitecture.com. So we'd love to hear some other stories. You know, what is it that you're doing right now that that people don't know you do? Because this is this is what some of these things are, I think are very personal in particular to us, especially me, the, the marriage counseling part in particular and the therapist part in particular, but everyone, everyone has a story. We'd love to hear it. Honestly, I think it'd be great, but for now we're going to let you go. Cause we got kind of long winded today. This is kind of fun, but yeah, we, we, we've, we've enjoyed it. We want to thank everybody for contributing that contributed and we will see you back here in another week hope everyone's doing well and we'll talk soon so bye bye